Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon back with you to share an author interview, as well as to talk about this week's new releases. Um, Today, I'm going to share an interview with author Kim Fay. We talk about her novel Love and Saffron which is a short little book that deals with food and connections and is just a really nice deep look into the things that kind of make us human. And once we finish the interview, I will be back to chat with you about this week's new releases. So let's get started. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am chatting with author Kim Fay about her novel, Love and Saffron, which was released here in the U.S., on the actual day that we are recording this, February 8th. Kim, thank you so much for joining me today, and happy release day. Thank you so much, Shannon. I am excited this morning, and I'm so happy to be here with you. It's exciting to be doing this on on launch day. Yes, yes. A lot of times I will do them with people, you know, sometime before or a little bit after, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty cool when you can actually schedule it on the day that it's released. I know. I have my phone turned upside down because it's going ding, 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 ding. Mostly my mom, but you know, Uh, (laughs) all the congratulations. Yes. So can you give listeners a little bit of an introduction to Love and Saffron so that people kind of know what to expect? Definitely. Um, So we'll go back to the early 1960s. And we have Joan. She's a 27-year-old budding food writer. She lives in Los Angeles. And she writes a fan letter to a woman named Imogen, uh, who's a 59-year-old magazine columnist who lives on an island near Seattle. Joan sends a packet of saffron as a little gift with a recipe. And Imogen responds. And the two women letters start to flow back and forth between them over the next few years. And as the letters uh, deepen, they embark on this journey of culinary explorations, um, personal transformations, and they really develop this soul deep friendship over the course of time. 
So are we lucky enough to actually like see these letters? Like, is this an epistolary novel? 100% the novel is written in letters, in letter form. Yes. Okay, that's glorious. I love that. Yes. There's such an intimacy in letter writing um, that I really enjoyed uh, as far as writing this book. You know, you you get to go inside the person who is writing their head. Um, you are sending these very intimate um, thoughts and ideas back and forth. And it was just a wonderful way to tell a story between these two women. And there are so many phenomenal books that are written either entirely or in part mm-hmm. in this way. Um, and I think it's just like a very unique and, as you say, a very intimate way for people to get to know the characters mm-hmm. and to kind of get that sense of the characters getting to know one another. It really is. Um, you know, there because obviously first person is a very intimate way to write a book. But this first person, I don't know. I you know, I'm actually just thinking about this for the first time as far as the technique. I don't know why a letter feels so much more personal. And perhaps it's the way just even thinking about how a letter is written. You know, it's a person is sitting. They're usually alone in a room. They have their pen. They have their paper. They are thinking about the other person. And it just it lends itself to so even though it's a limited form in certain ways, it really lends itself to going big in a lot of different directions because as the letter writer can really take the story anywhere they want to take it. So did you know kind of from the start that you wanted to write this as an epistolary or did that sort of evolve as you were working on the book? Well, Shannon, this is, this book is such a unique um little item. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on writing this book at all. And oh. then um, Los Angeles shut down in of March of did. 2020 for the pandemic. And we were, yes. locked, we were locked down. We had an order. We were, you know, we could barely leave our houses. And the day after the order was announced, I sat down on my desk and started writing. And this book just flooded out of me. And I wasn't writing it for publication. I was writing it as a gift for two friends. I wanted to write something that was um, gentle and that was kind of a, not a consolation, but a balm because the, you know, the, the era, that time period just kept getting darker and darker. And so I would dive into this book every day, thinking about writing this for these friends I knew the things I knew was I wanted it to be short. I wanted it to be read in an afternoon. But as far as the letter writing form itself, that is just what poured out. That's that's what came out. And I, in many ways, was chasing this book. Well, it was being written, which is not my normal way of writing. I am I take more time than anybody else in the world. I do more revisions. It took 14 years to write my first book and three months to write this book. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. (laughs) We will say that the whole timeline of that process um, sped up exponentially. (laughs) Very much so. But it it also goes to show that, you know, as a writer, we're not one trick ponies and, you know, follow your heart. You never know if 
if it feels different this time around, you know, maybe that's where you're supposed to be going. So is this your second book then? This is my second novel. I've written a book of nonfiction, uh, wrote a food, uh, a food travel memoir about Vietnam. Oh. And, um, I had lived there for four years in the 1990s. Uh, this is not my second novel. I've probably written about 20 novels. This is my second published novel. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you say, you know, that you wanted this to be something that can be read in an afternoon. Mm-hmm. And as you said that, I'm thinking about this reading challenge that I'm doing this year. Mm-hmm. And one of the prompts is a book that can be read in one sitting. And usually when I think of those, I think of like, you know, a novella, for Mm -hmm. example. Um, But actually, this works just as well, because I think Mm -hmm. it it tells a deeper story, it looks like, than a lot of novellas do. It does. But still sort of fits that that prompt of like, okay, you can sit down and like read this all the way through and it's not going to take you, you know, five days. No, most people I've, most people who have read it have told me three to four hours that they'll sit down, you know, make themselves a cup of tea, go find a quiet corner a Sunday afternoon and sit and just read it from front to back. And that was, that was what I intended. I wanted, I, I've envisioned these friends of mine re, you know, receiving a printed copy because I had, you know, printed it on my printer and mailed it to them. And uh-huh. I, because again, I wasn't thinking about publication and right. I just mailed it off to them. It served its purpose, mission accomplished. And I actually thought that was that until I had mentioned the book to a friend and a different friend and she asked to read it. And then there was a conversation about why haven't you sent this to your agent? Oh, so, Yeah. So I did. And my agent said, where did this come from? <laughs> what the heck? It came from the pandemic, of course. <laughs> exactly. But, but it was, it was, this is not what you were working on. This is not what we've been going back and forth on. Um, no, obviously no. she was, she was pleasantly surprised and that was kind of summer and she sold it by December. That is very awesome. It is. I'm very pleased with that. Yes. <laughs> and now in, in February of 22, it mm-hmm. is out in the world. It is. It is. And it's already getting a lot of love. And I think it is because people are looking for something, um, something just a little soothing right now. Sure. You know, we all thought we'd be a lot further along on this uh, pandemic journey. So I yes. think a book like this is, um, it's, I, I feel fortunate in that when people do read it, it is serving the purpose I wanted it to serve. Just on a, a larger scale instead of mm-hmm. exactly it for a couple of people, it now serves it for like countless people. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I actually saw it this morning on, um, a book riot show. Wow. Uh, one of the, yes. <laughs> what? Yes. That's good um, to know. Yeah, Vanessa Diaz um from all the books. It was one of her like picks for, you know, new releases that what? she was looking forward to. Um, oh my gosh. Thank you yes. for letting me know. <laughs> You're welcome. I usually check out um all the books, you know, on Tuesday uh-huh. morning because it's new release day. Okay. And so I did that before um before I talked to you and I was like, "Oh, 
<laughs> there it is. Here it is. Yeah, this that's so exciting. I mean, you, you know, it's just everything's so exciting right now. It's at that point, you know, that point in time. And I've been on the um I've been on interviews all morning. So I haven't had a chance to peek around and see what's going on. Yeah, it's a um it's their new release podcast. It's all the books. And um you know, it's they pick like eight new releases a week that they talk about. Oh, and it is cool. one of them. That's so exciting. Thank you for letting yes. me know that. You are very welcome. <laughs> and I'm so on your show, Shannon. So this is like Well, you are, but not, not actually but not actually on release day like no, you know this won't air on release day. <laughs> that's still okay. That's that's even better sometimes because it keeps the ball rolling. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So is this available in all formats? It um, is. It is. Okay. They did a beautiful audio book, um, which was fun. I got to read the author's note. So I oh, was very, very excited. Not, not a big part, but, um, it's, um, ebook. It's, um, obviously I, I encourage everybody to find it at it, their independent bookstores, but it is available, um, in all formats. Excellent. Did you get to choose your audiobook narrators or did you leave that to, um, the audio publishers to do well it was kind of fun they sent me choices and Ah, so I um it was it was really interesting because I didn't realize that they would actually let me weigh in and they did um I think it was more exciting for my sister who's an audiobook fiend and who Ah, like she knew these people as if they were rock stars and she was like oh she read this and oh he read that and so um (laughs) but it was nice and and you know my agent we all kind of commented but but they're experts you know they're the pros they read the book they know what these voice um actors can do so I felt like I was in fantastic hands with that, um, you know, that my my input was more afterthought because they already knew what was best for the book. And, you know, there's that thing, writers, we need to trust. We're good at writing our books, but the editors are best at editing, audio best at auditing. Everybody else has their what they're best at. Sure. It's that whole team approach of like getting it out there in the way that everyone hopes is going to work best for for the book itself yeah we do a lot of talking about audiobooks here really? on the book bistro yes oh fun yes um because i didn't necessarily set out this way when i when i started the podcast mm-hmm. but we are a group of blind or visually impaired women And so we talk, you know, a lot about what we read. Mm -hmm. And although we don't like, you know, come out and like explicitly say that everything is in audio, Mm -hmm. a lot of things are or in other types of accessible formats. So, yes, there's a lot of talk about audiobooks and narrators. So I love Mm -hmm. that your sister was like super excited. Oh, my gosh. She was very narrators. You know, it's, it's interesting, too, because the. You know, before audiobooks came out, I used to, when I was in college, I used to read textbooks, um, for, uh, blind students. And I felt so bad for them because I, because I just, my, you know, I just had this kind of da, 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 
voice. That's how everyone read text, reads yeah, text. Reads, okay. So, but, but I just thought, you know, once audiobooks came along and it's, I actually enjoy audiobooks sometimes more than the reading experience. And I'm a huge reader because it's, you know, books are storytelling. Books are, um, the, the verb, you know, the verbal part of storytelling is really exciting. And I love what's being done with audiobooks now. I think people are generally not excited about reading textbooks. And it, <laughs> um, I went through undergrad and grad school with like various volunteer readers, mm-hmm. um, you know, either like people from my university or yeah. service that, you know, that does that. And it's just all like very monotonous and you get like various <laughs> words that people don't know how to pronounce. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it, it is not the best. I am no. much happier now with like eBooks that are made mm-hmm. accessible. Um, you know, commercial audio like mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't really enter into textbooks. Yeah. Um, I think there's not really a, a market for that. No. Like beyond people, um, who need it, you know, for, mm-hmm. for, accessibility reasons yes um but you were probably not the only one to read a textbook <laughs> in kind of a a, a less than, than yeah, stellar en- manner enthusiastic I just I just felt so bad though like I, the whole time I'm reading I was just like how do I juice this up and it was like how do you juice up chemistry this is yeah. really hard and then people are like, oh, and then on this page, there's a chart. And yes. um, hmm, it looks like it's describing, well, I don't know. Well, yep. and it just goes it, it, like it, it's it is not the best. No, I, you have my apologies. That was probably me. <laughs> Did you do it? Um like for university or like how did you get into doing that? That was just a volunteer at my university. I was looking for ways to volunteer. And as a reader, you know, um, it just, uh, you know, my, my, my heart wrenched at like any written word that was not accessible to anybody and everybody. Oh. So I was just like, oh my gosh, whatever it is, even if it's a milk carton, we have to get this out there. Um, and so, yeah, so it was just one of those, one of those um, university experiences. Yeah. Oh, university. Oh, university. <laughs> but it's interesting because I actually talk about at the, there's a little portion in Love and Saffron that mentions books on, on a, the big reel to reel. Oh yes. Um, there's a, there's a point in the book where that is necessary. And um, you know, it's people bringing it's someone in the story reading books into a big reel to reel tape recorder for a friend. Um, and I was thinking, I was thinking about how times have changed so much in many ways, but in that way oh, yes. as well. Yes. But in, in the whole world of like accessible mm. books, definitely. Yeah. So what kind of things aside from textbooks when you're volunteering, do mm. you enjoy <laughs> reading? I, I'm pretty eclectic in my reading and a lot of times reading has to do with research I'm doing. I'm definitely a big fiction writer. I'm definitely a big fiction reader. Um, I tend to be a a lot all over the board. Um, You know, sometimes it comes across my path. Sometimes I'll look up um, just, I'll be, I'll look up something like um, 
undiscovered novels or novels that haven't gotten a lot of you know, attention. Oh, yes. And I'll find myself reading something like Memoirs of a Polar Bear, which was absolutely Whoa. wonderful. But it's something I'd never heard of. It hadn't crossed my path. Um, I have never heard of this. Yes. Yeah, so there are just, um, I wouldn't say that I have one genre I read or one type of book I read. It's more what what is capturing my attention. Um and I will say during the pandemic, I had a very hard time reading, um, but there were books that just absolutely I read. Um, is it Girl, Woman, Other? Oh, yeah. Which I read during the election. And it was the one thing I could read that just consumed me. I have so, not read that yet. I've heard such good things about it. It was an incredible book and it just it just really helped ground me but also it was so well written um but yeah so it's it's i don't have a i don't have a straightforward answer to that question sometimes (laughs) there are not straightforward answers to that (laughs) so have you read anything recently that you think the world should know about oh my goodness you know what i was told to i had this conversation yesterday and I, I said, whenever anybody asks me this, I just go absolutely <laughs> blank. And I just went blank. Nothing. I haven't read anything. I, and I have, <laughs> I have, I have. I read Hamnet recently. Oh, I've heard um, very good things about that. I read it. It's interesting. Yes. I'm in a book club at a women's shelter and it's a, the book club is with women who were former residents, but they still, they've had this book club for 10 years. And so they pick a really wide variety of uh, books. And Hamnet was one that we read recently that I was, I've got to say going in, I was like, ah, do I want to read about Shakespeare? Ah." It was so beautiful. The writing was just stellar in that book. Um, Matthew is pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm lesson learned. I'm so glad that I did. I also read a book, and I wish I could tell you the author's name. It's called The Cook, and it was a slim, slim, slim little book, and um, it was recommended to me by a man who read my book. Oh, the, the author's name is Milas Day. Karangal, and I apologize to this person profusely right now. It is written in French, and it just follows a young man who dreams of being a chef. And it follows him just over the course of a few years. But the descriptions of food, really, um, they, he just, they were so perfect. They were just so, so perfectly um, described. There are so many really good novels about food from like, oh, you know, and they gosh. run the gamut. Like we have all the like foodie, the cozy mysteries that are mm-hmm. out there. Yes. There are romances that center around food, uh, just sort of general fiction. Mm-hmm. There are so many good food books out there. There are Monique Chung. Um, she good. I seriously, why would my name? I, why didn't I write down all of these things before? Um, but uh, Monique Trung wrote a book called The Book of Salt. And yes, I've seen that. Okay, that that novel, it had, there's a scene in that book 
that has stayed with me for over a decade that has to do with food. And it is about, it's about a young um, Vietnamese cook who works for Gertrude Stein and Alice B. Toklas. It's a fictional, um, fictionalized account. And she asks him a question in French about a certain food item. And when he goes to answer her in his mind in Vietnamese, he can just, oh, he has no end of words to describe this. But when he opens his mouth, because the limits of language, um, his second Ah, language, he can only just say one word. And he is this whole moment. It's just so tragic because he's trying to explain this food, but he can't. And I, I just, that scene has stuck with me all these years. Um, but it's such a beautiful book. It's not a, a food novel, but it is, food is essential to it. I mean, that's one example of a book that has just, um, that, that continues to stay in my thoughts. And I love all of the, um, like the diverse cultures that we get to see through food. Yes. Yeah, I think that that's one of the reasons, um, you know, somebody had asked me, why do you write about food? And it's not to write about food. It's to write about the connections that we make over meals. It's to write yes. about how we learn about different cultures through food, how in all of my travels, I can tell you the meals I've eaten, the people I've eaten them with, the conversations we've had. If you name a certain dish in a certain place, I don't think I would describe the ingredients first. I think I would describe the person I had that dish with. And food is just one of those. I mean, it's essential to life and there's, there's no person to whom it's not essential to. So in that way, it, there's an automatic connection no matter what as we eat together and as we break bread together. And I really so, like that description. Thank you. It's just, it's one of the reasons that Food, I mean, food is the connector in love and saffron. As these women talk about their lives, they use the language of food um, to describe it. But they're really talking about human connection and not just a dish or an ingredient. Well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for making time for me today, especially during the hectic (laughs) rush of your launch day. I really appreciate your time so much. Oh, thank you, Shannon. I appreciate you having me on. I absolutely love this. And I'm, I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Thank you so much. Before you dash off to Uh whoever gets to chat, (laughs) can you um, let listeners know the best place to find you online? Um, I, oh, that's a good one. I have a new website. It is Kim faybooks.com and all the information about my book and some of the backstories and some fun photos, you know, that inspired the book are all there. Awesome. Well, again, this has been a discussion with author Kim Fay about her latest novel, Love and Saffron. All right. So new releases. As always, I'm going to start with some books that you've heard us talk about before on our most anticipated releases of June episode. Um, First up is one of Natalia's most anticipated June reads, and this is The Lies I Tell by Julie Clark. 
Sarah talked about the new Lucy score novel, which is called Maggie Moves On. Stacy is excited about this one. I'm pretty sure Kristen's looking forward to it. I am as well. Um, and I mentioned Guilt, G-I-L-T, by Jamie Brenner, which is a women's fiction book about jewelry. And then Georgina talked about the new Jenny Colgan, which is an island wedding, Muir number five. So those are some books that you've heard us talk about before. Let's move on to some books that we haven't mentioned previously. So I'm going to start with a couple of fantasy releases. First up is Mirror Obscure. This is the second book in the Vista Delirio series by Elizabeth Hunter. And Elizabeth Hunter is an author that Sarah has read. I think maybe Stacy has read a couple of her books as well. But this is um, an urban fantasy series with magic and mystery. Um, she's done a lot of things about the elements. I think this one is a little bit different. Um, the first book came out, I want to say, at the beginning of 2022. So definitely pick it up if you're a fan of hers or if you're looking for a new urban fantasy series. This one is the second. It's Mirror Obscure, Vista Delirio, book two by Elizabeth Hunter. Next up is the Kindle release of the new Amanda Foodie novel. And this is All of Our Demise, All of, Our, All of Us Villains, number two, and it's Amanda Foodie and Christine Lynn Herman. Um, this is the sequel to All of Us Villains, which came out last summer. So this one is out in Kindle today, print and audio um, at the end of August. So if you absolutely cannot wait for it and you want it as an ebook, definitely pick it up today. This one is All of Our Demise, All of Us Villains, book two by Amanda Foodie and Christine Lynn Herman. We then have... This Wicked Fate, this is the sequel to This Poisoned Heart, which is also the name of the series. This is book two by Kaylin Bayron. Um, this is a fantasy series. She wrote a standalone novel a few years ago called Cinderella is, it's either Cinderella is Dead or Cinderella is Not Dead. Um, and it's kind of like a like a retelling of Cinderella, but with some key differences. Um, this Poison Heart is more of a traditional, like, YA fantasy series. So this is the sequel. It is This Wicked Fate, This Poison Heart, book two, by Kaylin Bayron. We also have Not Good for Maidens. This is by Tori Bovolino. It's a retelling of The Goblin Market, and it's being billed as Salem's Lot meets the darkest part of the forest. I am not familiar with the darkest part of the forest. I also don't read Stephen King, um, so I can't tell you a lot about Salem's Lot other than that I haven't read it. Um, but this looks very, very dark, um, kind of a horror fantasy mashup. And it is Not Good for Maidens by Tori Bovolino. Then, moving on to some mystery slash thriller slash suspense, we have not we have Last Liar Standing. This is by Danielle Wong. It is about a woman who wakes up after an accident, 
thinks she has amnesia, and it doesn't take her long to realize that she's surrounded by secrets, not just because of the things that she can't remember, but because of the things that people are actively like trying to keep her from remembering. This is Last Liar Standing, and it's by Danielle Wong. We then have Half Sisters. This is by Virginia Franken. And it is the story of a family who kind of become defined by a single lie. And I'm guessing this lie has to do with a child, given um, the book is called Half Sisters. But if you want to know, you will have to pick it up. This is Half Sisters by Virginia Franken. If you like kind of horror mystery type books, then you are probably already familiar with the work of Riley Sager. And his new book is out this week. This is The House Across the Lake. It's about an actress who is trying to hide from some bad press. And apparently she heads to her family's lake house in Vermont. And there are disastrous consequences to this because of something that's happening in the house across the lake. So this is The House Across the Lake by Riley Seeger. We then have The Drowning Sea. This is the third book in the Maggie Darcy series by Sarah Stewart Taylor. Um, this is about a Long Island police detective. In the first book, she heads home to Ireland to try to solve the mystery of her missing cousin and the series goes on from there this is the third book it's the drowning sea maggie darcy book three by sarah stewart taylor we also have in the dark we forget this is by sandra sg wong it is another kind of amnesia book um, this one though is about a woman who learns after discovering that she has no memory, that her parents have disappeared. And shortly before they disappeared, they also won $47 million in the lottery. Hmm. This is In the Dark, We Forget, and it's by Sandra S.G. Wong. We have a couple of young adult thrillers here. First up is Never Coming Home by Kate M. Williams. This is about a group of influencers. I think there are 10 of them. They are picked to be the first people to experience the wonders of this like newly constructed spa. And apparently it's not very wondrous if like once you go there, you're not coming back. Um, this looks pretty great. It is Never Coming Home and it is by Kate M. Williams. And then we have a book that I'm pretty sure Brooke will be all over. This is Jumper by Melanie Crowder. It is about a 19-year-old girl who is working as a firefighter. Um, she's kind of surprised that she gets picked for this job because she is only 19, and she's helping to put out wildfires, and then chaos ensues. Brooke loves books about arsonists and people fighting fires, so this is definitely up her alley. It's Jumper by Melanie Crowder. Moving on here to some romance, we have 
Here for the Drama. This is by Kate Bromley. It is a contemporary romance, um, perhaps kind of a rom-com. I kind of got that impression from the synopsis. And it's centered around the theater, kind of feuding actors, um, lots of like on and off stage chemistry. It's Here for the Drama and it's by Kate Bromley. We also have a new book by Bridget Morrissey. This is A Thousand Miles. It is a road trip romance. Um, apparently our two main characters agreed years ago that they were going to take a road trip together. Um, apparently their friendship kind of ended, but now years later they have reunited to take this like kind of road trip that they promised that they would take several years ago. And I guess all kinds of things happen. They realize they have feelings for one another. Um, I really enjoy road trip books, so I'm looking forward to this one. It's A Thousand Miles by Bridget Morrissey. We also have Lucy Yee is Not a Romantic. This is by Lauren Ho. You may remember her name from Last Tang Standing a couple of years ago. Um, this one is about Lucy. She is researching co-parenting apps. I'm not sure quite how this works. Um, and is matched with a man that is supposed to be like her perfect co-parent. And I guess they develop feelings for one another, um, but she's pretty against romance. So this one is Lucy Yee is not a romantic and it's by Lauren Ho. Last up today, I have a dual timeline novel. This is The Last Dress from Paris by Jade Beer. Um, we have a contemporary timeline, but then we have a historical one which takes place in post-war Paris, 1952. And this story centers around um, Christiane Dior and her like, fashion, how this was you know, a big deal during World War II and after. Apparently there are lots of secrets contained um, in an apartment that also is holding several long hidden Dior dresses. So this is The Last Dress from Paris and it's by Jade Beer. And that is all I have for you today. It is the first day of summer here in my part of the world. I hope all of you are doing well, staying safe, and of course, reading lots of great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.